Blog Talk Radio. Coker, who took over kind of the the U when they when they beat 
Nebraska in the national title game, and then they beat uh, or then they lost to Ohio State in the national title game. But since since about 2005, so Larry Coker was fired in 2006 at Miami. He was fired after a seven and six season after going 12 and 0, 12 and 1, 11 and 2, 9 and 3, 9 and 3. He goes seven and six, they fire him. Okay. Then in comes Randy Shannon. Randy Shannon, who was a former Hurricane, no, not much success. Al Golden. Uh, former Temple head coach comes in mediocre success. Success six and six, seven and five, nine and four, six and seven. They fired him after he started. So, so again, you have to, but you also have to look at like what division Miami's playing in, right? Yeah, they play in the week ACC. The oh, very... you're absolutely right. I'm sorry, for some reason I'm thinking SEC. I'm sorry. No, they play in the ACC. They play in the Coastal Conference. These are their teams in the Coastal Conference, uh, uh, Sam. We have Pitt, Virginia Tech, Virginia, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, Duke, and Miami Hurricanes. There is no reason. There's not a single football power that I just named. Virginia Tech usually pretty good. Other than that, it's Miami. Miami is the lone power. Pittsburgh was good this season. Yeah, I was going to say Pitt. Pitt has been decent over the years, too. They've got a bad program. If you look at the other side, the Atlantic Division, you have Clemson. You have Florida State. Okay? Those are the two big dogs, right? Florida State's been down for a while, but when they get going, that's, that's, they're very difficult to beat. Then you got Louisville, NC State, Wake Forest, Syracuse, Boston College on that side. Miami should be winning nine to ten games every single year with the division they play in. But like I said, they Randy Shannon, Al Golden, Mark Rick didn't work out. Mark Rick left for health reasons. Uh, Mark Rick was nine and four, ten and three, seven and six in his three seasons at Miami. And then here comes Manny Diaz, three seasons at Miami, and he went six and seven, eight and three, seven and five. So they've been. It's not like they're not making bowl games, but they've been mediocre. Seven, seven, eight wins isn't necessarily going to cut it at Miami. And then the same can be said for Texas, which can't seem to get the right guy. They fired – they let go of Tom Herman, okay? They, Do they, have, they have Steve Sarkeesian now, don't they? They have Steve Sarkeesian, but oh let, me, let me go into that. Tom Herman – was seven and six, ten and four, eight and five, and he was seven and three in the 2020 uh, shortened COVID year. Okay, Steve Sarkeesian this year, he he comes five and seven, I think, right? Program. Everybody has big expectations for Steve Sarkeesian, and he's yeah five and seven, man. Yeah. Like so, you fired. He, but you, you know what? He's he's been hit with a lot of injuries though. That that Texas squad got hit with a bunch of injuries this year though. Do you think Texas boosters care? Oh no, they don't give a shit. They're they're gonna, you know, um, the thing is with some Sarkeesian, I just feel like a losing season means that he's gonna be back on the sauce again. You know, I mean, dude, he lost to Kansas, he lost to West Virginia. You know, there's no shame in losing to Oklahoma, even though we blew about a 24 point lead. You know, there's no shame in losing to Baylor, who you know, won the Big 12 title. Those losses, you know, are fine. Uh, even losing to Oklahoma State, but losing 30-7 to to an unranked Iowa State team, losing 57-56 to to Kansas, who won, I believe, Kansas won a grand total of two games this year. Two. 
They were one and eight in the conference, and their one win was against Texas. So, I, I don't know, man. It's it's like one of those things where you got um, coaching carousel madness. But for to me, Miami doing this, uh, and we kind of got off subject talking about like two programs that can't seem to get the coach right. But Miami doing this, uh, like you said, is kind of like I, it's bad for optics, right? Like as as if you were a big time head coach, would you want to come to Miami? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No way. And that's that's my biggest thing is they they have recruiting. There's tons of talent that comes up through the Miami Dade area. Yeah. Totally. So, dude, you could throw a stone in about ten different directions and hit a four star player. Okay, four star, five star player. If crystal ball. He'll be a hero, but now, mind you, Miami has hired former Miami guys that have not worked out. Manny Diaz was a former Miami guy. Randy Shannon was a former Miami guy. It's not worked out. It's it's not working out. So, hopefully, Crystal Ball, you saw what he did at Oregon. He he kept it going. Uh, Oregon's been pretty good. But Miami's going to have to – Start winning big because I feel like next season, okay. Chris so you you would say you would say Cristobal came from like uh, would you say it's similar competition based on what he who he plays when he coached Oregon versus who he's going to be playing now coaching yeah. Miami. Yes, I would say similar comp- competition. The difference, the main difference, is Oregon is infrastructurally sound, and when I say infrastructurally sound, it is one of those programs where you get a decent head coach and they can come in and have success using the system that's in place. You have Phil Knight, one of the biggest donors, owner of Nike, right? And everybody's building on what Mike Bellotti built originally. Mike Bellotti got one where people were talking about them nationally. Chip Kelly elevated them a little bit, okay? But after Chip Kelly left, you had one um, – I believe, uh, and I might be wrong here, but I believe you had one season of, of uh, what's his name, that went down to Florida State and then was fired. Um, God, I can't think of the coach's name off the top of my head, which is really, really sad. Willie, Willie Taggart. Willie Taggart. Okay. Willie Taggart okay. came in. He was there. Oh, I'm sorry. Mark Helfrich took over for Chip Kelly. Mark Helfrich had a lot of success uh, for a few years, and he had one bad season. Morgan let him go. In came Willie Taggart, who went seven and six, and then and then Crystal Ball took over. And Crystal Ball's gone nine and four, twelve and two, four and three in a shortened year, and then this year ten and three. Um, so, you know, he's had some success there, but it's the sound infrastructure, much like Wisconsin. You see Wisconsin coaches leaving, coming go, but they 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 just kind of fit into the system that Barry Alvarez. Uh, developed, and now it's you know they can win nine, pretty much nine games a season. Whoever the head coach is, so now he's going to a program that's kind of a mess. So it'll be interesting to see if he can build the culture, build the team how he wants to, and if they can have sustained success. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it, now you just, it's like a little bit of now you know who you got. Let's see what he does next season. Yes. So now we're at the point we got our bowl games all set. Um, we have our college football playoff set. Okay, we have we have Alabama 
Michigan, Georgia, and Cincinnati. Um, man, I feel bad for Cincinnati. I really do. Um, Cincinnati is the first group of five team, non-Power 5 team, to ever make the playoff. They went undefeated this year. Uh, their big marquee win was at Notre Dame, uh, beating Notre Dame on the road by double-digit points. Notre Dame, that was Notre Dame's only loss all season long. Uh, Notre Dame finishes at five in the rankings. To me, though, and I hate Cincinnati's draw. I was kind of hoping they'd maybe get bumped up to the three seed and maybe get a shot at Michigan uh, in the first round um, or Georgia potentially. But, no, they get four. They're stuck with Alabama. And I don't think they match up. That's a tough matchup. That's a very tough matchup. And they don't match up good with Alabama at all. They just don't. Alabama is on another level at college football right now, and I hate to say it, and it kind of sucks, to be honest with you, with college football. I thought this might be the one year playoff for not being in the conversation for a national title, but Georgia couldn't take care of business. Georgia uh, lost to Alabama. And here we are again. Alabama sitting with one loss. Going to take on – With a good pass, a a, a really good pass to the championship, right? Really good pass because because I I don't know I'm I'm hoping we don't see an all SEC final because I'm hoping Michigan can beat Georgia I don't see it happening I don't Michigan has such a vanilla offense that I don't think they got the horses to to beat Georgia they have um, the defense though defense is not bad Michigan's defense is good Georgia's offense is kind of suspect um you know they had talked about it earlier that. Georgia played a very weak schedule, and I I didn't think they had. But then on second review, if you go back and you look at Georgia's schedule here, Georgia got away with playing a lot of teams that weren't as good as we originally thought. Clemson, who they beat week one, Clemson was ranked third at the time. Clemson was not as good as we thought. Arkansas turned out to not – to be okay, but not very good. Auburn, Kentucky, then you got Florida and Tennessee, uh, and Alabama just walloped them. They they kicked them in the mouth and didn't let up. And now, you know, I still think Georgia beats Michigan. Georgia's actually favored by seven and a half points. Um, I, I'm not. Giving I, I think seven and a half is too high, though. No. To be honest with you, if I was the odds maker, I would I would have Michigan uh, as. 11-point dogs. Wow. Okay. I, I they, they, beat the, they beat the breaks off Iowa. Iowa has no offense. They beat Ohio State in the snow in Michigan. That was a big win. Ohio State this year wasn't as good as they've been in previous years. Their defense wasn't where it's been. Georgia, Georgia, I feel like Georgia's just just gonna stymie the offense of Michigan. Like, what do you feel? I know I know you don't watch a lot of college ball, but you do live in Michigan. I, I know you've seen some of the some of their games. What do you feel about the uh, chances of Michigan and Georgia or Michigan's chance? So, so I, re- I really do like Aiden Hutchinson this year. You know, so <laughs> I, I like that they are pressuring the quarterback at a good rate. Um, their offense is pretty basic. It's it is very much your Midwest offense, if you want to call it, right? 
nothing exotic, nothing really cut and dry. Everything's pretty much cut and dry. And um, I think that if if Michigan's going to win this game, it's going to be on the back of their defense, not their offense. Okay. All right. So what? Who's your? Who are you picking in that game? I mean, it's Georgia by far. Bama. <laughs> so you think we're going to have a Bama Georgia rematch in the national title game? Yeah, I think that's going to be something that's going to be a, a possibility. Is that? Let me ask you: Is that good for the sport to have two teams from the same conference play? No, no, I don't. I don't. I, it, it, for the same reason why. I wouldn't want to see something like this in college basketball either, really. Yeah, like a Duke-North like Duke, Carolina game for the national title. As, as great that's as so annoying. Are. But that's kind of annoying to watch, right? Exactly. And that's the thing about the NFL. You can't get, you can't get a Steelers um, – you can't get a Steelers and Ravens Super Bowl. It just doesn't – Yeah, it's not going to happen. It's not, it's, it's the, the permutations and combinations won't allow it to happen. One of them has to see each other – on the path to the Super Bowl. Yeah, and I believe the way college football has to do it, and this is my opinion, you tell me if you agree or disagree. I get that Georgia played a more difficult schedule than Cincinnati. But here's my theory. Georgia should have been ranked fourth and had to play Alabama again in the semifinals. That way we don't get an all-SEC matchup. Because it, it, it forces – it forces – yeah, it, you – Sorry, it, it, uh, excuse me. It, it, you're absolutely right. It definitely forces them to kind of uh, relook at the picture um, when it comes to setting something up like that. But uh, I mean, I'm not saying it's being set up like that, but the way that it works with the schedules and the, and the calculations that are done in giving them, them their rankings, um, I, I just, I would, I would totally say that um, if you can. Uh, avoid something like that based on if there's like a hair of like a differential of some sort in the stats when it comes to measuring the teams. I would go, I would go for like a Cincinnati instead of the Georgia, you know, route. I would too. And, and here's the difference. Georgia didn't win their conference championship. Yeah. I mean, that's cause, but then again, they're, they're, they're conf- the conference they're in is, is, is what? Who's in it? <laughs> you have to look at that, right? I, I mean, I know that Cincinnati doesn't have the, the, the biggest, uh, the best conference, but at the same time, Cincinnati, Michigan, Alabama all won their conference titles. So if you want to talk about a separator, those three all won their conference titles. Georgia didn't. So to me, Georgia should be fourth. I would have Alabama one. Yeah, Michigan I would. Be three. And then Cincinnati. But, they, but see, Georgia probably played more ranked opponents than some of these other teams. Well, it, well, it's. Difficult to say because Cincinnati has a better win has a better win than anybody that Georgia beat. Cincinnati beat Notre Dame, only lost one game, and is currently ranked fifth in the country. Georgia's best win was probably or not, was probably Clemson, and Clemson uh, didn't even play for the ACC championship this year. Kentucky, Arkansas. Um, Auburn, Auburn was a six and six team. I think Kentucky went like eight and four or nine and three. Arkansas was like eight and four. Cincinnati beat an eleven and one Notre Dame team, and they beat a ten and two Houston team. So, so that, that's that's but that's two teams, though, right? If you look at the teams that that I'm not again, I'm not on Georgia's side, but like the teams that they beat are also going to be qualifying for bowl games, you know. Um, so, whereas you, Cincinnati. 
Well, I mean, I'm just saying, but the, the you said the competition, you said outside of Notre Dame and who else was it? Houston. Outside of Notre Dame, who Houston, how, what percentage of their of their opponents are playing a bowl game this year? They have another three opponents, or I'm sorry, let's look at, let me look and just to make sure and uh, just to see who else is going bowling from the Americans. Cincinnati played Miami, Ohio, they're going bowling. They played Notre Dame. They're going bowling. UCF is going bowling. Tulsa is going bowling. SMU is going bowling. East Carolina is going bowling. And Houston is going bowling. So one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven out of 12 opponents. And for Georgia, it would be what? Same, probably same, no? No, Georgia's got, let's see, Georgia's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Eight? Oh, sorry, nine. So seven for Cincinnati, bowl opponents nine for Georgia. I mean, yeah. I guess you could say the quality of competition they face is better. But I don't want to – I don't like – like I said before, I wouldn't want to see a – I wouldn't want to see two teams duke it out when they come from the same conference, like the same yeah. division really, you know? I hear you. I mean, and it's just – I mean, it, it, to me it's bad for the sport. Now, here's – Strength of scheduled play. Cincinnati had the 78th ranked strength of schedule. Georgia 32nd. So how does how does Georgia sit at a higher percentage when Cincinnati's had a tougher schedule? No, Georgia had a tougher schedule. Oh, Georgia, sorry, I take that back. I flipped the numbers. They're ranked 32nd. Cincinnati. Now some of that is SEC bias, I believe, but you know it is, it is what it is. Uh, Georgia. Um, plays in the SEC, but so Cincinnati's just going to have to try to come out and shock the world and beat Alabama. I don't think they'll do it. But it's not going to happen, man. We'll see, man. We shall it's see. It's not going to happen. It's not going to happen. So, uh, moving on to our next segment here, we're going to talk some NFL football here. Um, I got to ask you, um, are the Chiefs still the best team in the AFC? They've, put, they've cobbled together some wins. Uh they, I believe Kansas City has now won what? Uh, they've won five straight. They're sitting at eight and four. Uh, there's every single team that leads their division is sitting at eight and four right now. So, uh, if you look, if the playoffs started right now, right? I'm looking yeah. at the playoff picture right now. Your first round buy on the AFC side would be the Patriots. Yeah. You, for your wild card, you have the Titans and Bengals, Ravens and Chargers, Chiefs and Bills. On the NFC, you have the Cardinals with the first round bye. Yeah. You have the Packers, 49ers, Bucks, and, and Washington football team, the Cowboys, and the Rams. Yeah. So, no, I, don't, I wouldn't say the Chiefs are, are the best team in the AFC. Not yet. You know, not yet. Take above Kansas City in the AFC. Um, you, I have to mm. – See, here's the thing. Like, I, I, I hate to say something. See – some of the teams match up well against Kansas City. Um, like the Bills would match up well against Kansas City. Um, I think the Bengals would match up well with. Yeah, that's my second thing. Was going to say. I was going to say. I think the Bengals match up, match match up, match up really well with the Chiefs as well. But the the Titans, the Ravens. I think they're kind of even the Chargers. They're kind of out of the picture per se because their matchups are just bad for each other. You know. The Titans, to me, are a sad story because I thought they were – And they're not getting Derrick Henry back for the playoffs. 
I don't think, right? Or are they? Oh, they're supposed to get him back around week 16. Week 16, week Yeah, but then they're, they're going to put him on a snap count and all that stuff. And, and, I think they're so missing A.J. Brown and Julio Jones. Like, they're completely devoid of weapons right now, which is the big problem in Tennessee. Baltimore's offense, though, looks broken. Uh, I don't know if you watched that Steelers game, but Lamar Jackson, I, I don't know what – I think I, I think I, my call for that game was that the Steelers would, would eke one out. I, I just – you know, I, I don't know, though. The, the, the Ravens' offense looks so bad, uh, I feel like they're still trying to force the run. When I've watched the Ravens, their offense looks unstoppable when they're playing come from behind. When they sit in shotgun and they go four wide receivers and they let Lamar Jackson just pick defenses apart out of the shotgun, nobody can stop them, including Pittsburgh last uh, uh, yesterday when um, they're down and Baltimore drives the length of the field to would have been tied the game if they took the extra point, but what would have been a game-tying touchdown, they went for two. And they would have gotten the two had the guy not bobbled the ball in the end zone. But Baltimore's offense for like three quarters looks like they just want to run some basic vanilla offense, and then they finally get things going. I think I honestly think it's the the NBA com- comparison. The comp would be like where you would run your best five, you know, players. You know, you don't want to over. You don't want to show your cards. I don't know. It's really it's kind of stupid to say that because in the NFL you have a lot more at stake. You have, you only have six seventeen games. You can't afford a loss, you know, when you're in playoff contention. You're looking for a buy and things of that nature. But I think Washington is kind of – I mean, Washington. I think um, uh, the Ravens are playing the same type of game where they show one look for one half of the game, and if they're behind, they go absolutely nuts, and they know they have the ability to make it back. But I don't yeah. see why they can't do that from the get, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, to me, looking at the ASC right now – I personally still believe the Chiefs are the best in the AFC. They got they got a defense that's coming alive now. Mahomes is still kind of trying to figure things out. They're trying to figure. But listen, out. you know, you saw who they played yesterday, right? Yeah, but why am I drawing a blank on who the Chiefs played yesterday? The they, Broncos. They, they beat the Broncos. Yeah, but the Broncos are like broken, man. But the Broncos are very. Uh, um, they're like a. The, they have their quarterback situation shaky. Their running back situation just kind of got alive now. After all these weeks, they decided to trash the Melvin Gordon experience and go with Javante Williams. But, like, they're not a good team to say that, yeah, these, they stamped their approval. And they sound like they blew them out either. You know, it was on the back of that defense. It was, and Mahomes still threw a pick and rushed for a touchdown, I think. What's that? I said, Mahomes, I said, I sorry, I said uh, Mahomes still threw a pick, and if that defense didn't have that pick six, the game would be a lot closer than it was. But he, and he also failed to score uh, throw a touchdown pass. Uh, he rushed for one. Yeah, he rushed for one, right? So you got Denver, who I believe has a top. I mean, they have a defense um, total. Let's see. Oh, I want to look at defense. Let's. I'm um, looking at total defense for. Denver right now. They're eighth. They're eighth in the league in total defense. They have a top ten defense, and they've made a lot of other players look bad. You remember how Dallas looked against Denver? So yeah, but yo, this is supposed to be Patrick Mahomes, man. You know the 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 
And unfortunately, it's because he built himself up to such a position where it doesn't matter if you're going up against a top 10 defense. He's supposed to shred you, right? With the weapons of with Kelsey, with Hill, uh, everyone else, you're, he's supposed to shred you regardless. That's yeah. not happening. I mean, Denver decimated the Chargers. Chargers couldn't get anything going. They lost 28 to No, no, no. So those, that's a very that's – a, that's a divisional matchup. Again, divisional matchups are very strange, man. They, the, they, they, the Broncos is a divisional matchup. That's what I'm saying. So what, what, I'm, what I'm saying is that the only reason why – so you're telling me that Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert are equivalent. They're, 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 that's a good comp to make. No, I'm not saying that, but I think – So, I, so it, you know, with Patrick Mahomes, with who he is, He's supposed to blow out a top ten defense. Still. Okay, but you could say the same thing about Aaron Rodgers, and we've seen Aaron Rodgers struggle against top ten defenses before. Do you remember again the stinker he put up against the Saints in Week One? You know, I I just think that these games, and I don't think the Chiefs' offense is where it needs to be yet. Uh, they, you know, they only put up nineteen against Dallas. Uh, they only put up 13 against the Packers. Uh, they beat the Giants 20 to 17. <laughs> I know that's disgusting, bro. Like the Giants, come on, the Giants. It's the but Giants, I, dude. It's because the reason I don't think Kansas City's offense is quite what it was. They don't have a running game, and they don't have any weapons outside of Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Nobody has stepped up to take pressure off of those guys. They don't have a running game. Clyde Edwards-Alaire has been just mediocre. To me, I think the Chiefs got to get another running back in there. They got to get a stud, whether that's through the draft or free agency. Um, they got to get a guy in there, though, that they can hand the ball to eight, seven, 15 to 20 times a game who can get them 80 to 100 yards a game and take pressure off Patrick Mahomes. I, I, think, I think that if they that's obviously like that's a that's definitely a good thing to be able to to offset some of that pressure that you put on the homes but i also think like i said it earlier in the season they don't have a number two on the receiver outside of hill kelsey could be blocking on a play and they don't yeah. have a number two they don't unfortunately you know as much as i hate to say it sammy Watkins filled that void perfectly as a number two and that's why they won they had damian williams who was Doing pretty much everything, all through all, all they had that you know but that run game down all three downs, you know. But Damian Williams wasn't on the team last year, but they still... right. No, I'm just saying. I'm, yeah. I'm saying last year is a little bit of an anomaly. They had their O line messed up. It was you know a, a strange season for them. But like, if they want to get better, they have to have a full thir- thir- uh, you know three down back that can be that can you know do what it needs to, what they need to do. You know, run between the tackles, pick up five, six yards, uh, yeah. you know, on first down to take the pressure. You know, you, you're staring at a third and four, which is a lot easier to do than you're looking when you're looking at a third and 11 because you lost to a yard, you know, on, on second down or something like that. Like if you're at like third and seven. Yeah, even third and seven is – third and four is a lot better of a look than third and seven. You know, three yards is three yards. So I, I think that that number two, you know, hole is never going to be filled because they're going to – they're always going to have, you know, a free safety shadow Tyreek Hill, always. Now, they, everyone knows his speed, right? They're going to always have a free safety shadow him. They'll have, you know, um, they'll, they'll set up the packages accordingly. You know, they'll have a linebacker that's athletic enough to go ahead and, and pick up Kelsey after he gets the initial, you know, block on, on, on whoever it is that, that he's up against, right? 
So they'll they'll change. NFL defenses are not stupid. They'll change the plans accordingly. I think the Chiefs, like you said, they need a good running back, right? And I still think they need a good number two man. You're right. Solid number two. And Pringle, Pringle, Hardman. They're not cutting it. They're not cutting it. But the, here's the sad thing: the Chiefs ran the ball 24 times against the Broncos, 89 yards rushing on the ground. Yeah, I mean, you have Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and Darrell Williams running, you know. So what do you really expect? Probably four yards, four point two, four point one yards yeah. per carry, maybe less. It's just, I, but I still, to me, uh, I still think the Chiefs, until proven otherwise, are the best team in the AFC. So time will tell on that one. Um, uh, Bengals-Chargers game, that had a lot of playoff implications. To me, that was like watching a basketball game. It was a game of runs. And unfortunately for the Bengals, the Chargers went on a run last. I don't know if you watched that game at all, uh, but the Chargers jumped out. Yeah, I did. I did. Yeah, Herbert played like he was supposed to play, though, you know, and and Burrow didn't, unfortunately. Well, Burrow dislocated his pinky on his throwing hand uh, in the late in the second quarter, right before halftime. It clearly was bothering him uh, for the rest of the game. But the Bengals, here's the thing. The Bengals went down 24 to nothing. Then they scored 22 unanswered points. They were down 24-22, and they're driving with the ball. All the momentum was with Cincinnati. Then Joe Mixon has a fumble that gets returned for a touchdown. Then it's 31-22. Then all of a sudden, Cincinnati can't score. All the momentum's with the Chargers, and the Chargers end up winning 38-22. They won 41-22, actually. Oh, sorry, 31 to 22. I forgot they got a late field goal in there. Yeah. Um, it's It was sad because it was like, you know, the Bengals had done so much and they were playing really, really well, and then they didn't play so well. And it just, it was, like I said, it was a crazy game of runs with the Chargers scoring 17 unanswered points in the fourth quarter. Um, I, I still, I, I think that um, Burrow got hit. Six times he got sacked six times. I think that's that's like three sacks too many. I think for him. And and then like I said, his finger was bothering him. Yeah. They couldn't establish the run game. Mixon had 19 carries for 54 yards. The Chargers don't have a great run defense. Uh, and believe it or not, yeah, believe it or not, and, and the Bengals have a decent run defense. And at one point, they, you know, aban- Chargers abandoned the run almost. You know, they. they <laughs> They only fed Eckler 14 times. He had a YPC of uh, – I mean, uh, uh, he had a per carry average of 4.2. Um, they did their damage in the air, bro, honestly. They did the most of their damage in the air. Um, Mike Williams was unstoppable, bro, unstoppable. He was, and then he, got, he would get the ball deep uh, in Bengals territory, then Keenan Allen or Guyton would take care of the rest. Um, but – I, you know, I, I the score is a little deceptive, forty-one to twenty-two. You know, I felt the game was closer than that. Um, the Bengals, you know, I still, and I also think that Jamar Chase needs to step up a little bit more. Though. I, I agree, he was probably shadowed by a good corner because the Chargers are uh, historically good at, at corner, and they're good. They have a good free safety and a strong safety as well. But uh, Jamar Chase only brought in five of his eight targets. You know. That, yeah. That's that's all right, but he's supposed to be the second coming of Justin Jefferson. So I mean, I guess more is expected out of him. Yeah, but th- there's so many good receivers on Cincinnati. T. Higgins is a fantastic receiver, 
and he's showing like, hey. Yeah, but between Higgins, Boyd, and Chase, Chase I think has the most upside. Chase probably has the most upside, but he's also a rookie, and we saw last year games where Justin Jefferson would disappear in games down the stretch. Um, you know, I, I'm willing to say, you know, to, and I think defenses have kind of figured him out a little bit, so he's going to have to go back to the drawing board a little bit um, and just kind of see if he can get things going like he did earlier in the season. Uh, but I'm not I'm not real worried about Jamar Chase right now. Uh, the Bengals have so many weapons. Um, they've just got to get consistency from their defense. they got to get consistency from the offense. I'm glad to hear that Burrow's finger – it's not like a season-ending injury or it's not like something catastrophic. They pop the pinky back in. He should be good to go for this week's matchup uh, come on Sunday when they play the 49ers, which also has a lot of playoff implications. There's The Bengals' schedule down the stretch is no no joke. They got the 49ers, and they're at the Broncos, the Ravens, the Chiefs, and then at the Browns to finish things off. They're sitting at 7-5, and five, probably to make the playoffs in their last five games, they're going to have to go at least three and two. Don't you think 10 and seven might get them in the playoffs? 10 and seven will get you probably into the wild card. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So they got to win three out of the last five. I think their best. Shot but the problem is, is the problem is like, it really depends on who they see in their first round matchup, you know? Well, um, if they're at seven, that means they're going to face the number two seed, which is currently being held by the Titans. Yeah, what I'm saying is that that's what it's at now, right? There's still a couple of weeks of football to be played. That can go up or down, and depending on who they see first round, it could make or break their playoff run, right? Well, I would like, you know, if they, if things hold tight and they get the Titans and the Titans don't have A.J. Brown back or Derrick Henry's down at 100%, I, I would like the Bengals in that matchup. But if they have to see someone like – Ravens or the Chiefs. If they have to see anybody else, bro, it's no good. Besides the Titans, there's nobody else. If Maybe the Chiefs. Maybe the Chiefs. I think the Bengals can score on the Chiefs, and I'm not sold. I'm not. We'll see. If, you know, but if it comes out to a shootout, though, I still think the Chiefs take it. Yeah. When it comes to a shootout. Um, the Vikings, real quick before we go to our next uh, thing. Man, how many close games have they lost this season? It has been. They lost on a last-second thing to the Lions. They lost to the 49ers late. They lost to the Ravens by three, the Cowboys by four. They lost to the Browns by a touchdown. They lost to the Cardinals by one. They lost to the Bengals three earlier in the season on when they came back. They have not lost by more than a touchdown all season. I mean, unfortunately, dude, I'm sorry to say this, but like you have two great receivers, a good, a really good running back, injured or not, right? Um, this is what happens when you have Kirk Cousins, you know, helming the offense. I'm sorry. Uh, you'll see, um, you know, I, I, that's the difference between, you know, four points is like if you had an Aaron Rodgers in there or if you had a Tom Brady in there, if you had a uh, Dak Prescott, a uh, – a uh, Justin Herbert, fuck, I mean, excuse me, even a Joe Burrow. You had a Joe Burrow in there. I think late game heroics, that's where Kirk is way too reserved. Um, and he's had a couple here and there. That's great. But, like, uh, you know, uh, Kirk Cousins is not built for that $84 million that you paid him for. Unfortunately, he's not your top five quarterbacks in the league. He's not. 
he's he's my comp to to Kirk Cousins is like a Jimmy Garoppolo really at this point. Man. Or Andy Dalton. Yeah, or Andy Dalton, bro. You can't buy a win. These guys they have trouble buying wins. You know, um, even with a good team, they're unable to do it. A, a fresh, a young, uh, you know, um, AJ Green, a good offense at that time with the Bengals. Andy Dalton could not cut it. He couldn't cut it. He couldn't buy a win in the playoffs. No. So Cousins has that going. But let me ask you. It looks like Mike Zimmer's probably going to be let go after this season. He's been to the playoffs three times. I think Mike Zimmer might have a shot at the Giants' job. Would you like him? As a, I do. As a... I definitely do. I definitely like his style of coaching. I like the um, the system that he surrounds. You you have to give Zimmer four or five years, really. Uh, and it sucks to say something like that because – no, no NFL team wants to be like I don't want to invest five years into something like that. But, but Zimmer needs to be able to build that infrastructure, right? Where he's got things in the right places. Unfortunately for him, where he's at in Minnesota, he can't make the right move to get the right player in place. But had he been on the Giants, you know, or maybe he could pull strings. He has cap, he has ability uh, to, to make certain decisions. Who knows? You know, or even on like a Texans team, I could see in five years if Zimmer goes to the Texans, I could see or the Jaguars even. I could see five years they're 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 in the contention for something. You know, but at I that don't point. Think five years in Minnesota, he went seven and nine his first year, then went eleven and five in his second year, and by year four he was thirteen and three and lost to the Eagles. So he, here's here, here's what I say about the 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 timeline with Zimmer in in Minnesota. They hedge their bets on too too many um, unpredictable elements, and and one would be Kirk Cousins. I'm sorry to say that again. They hedge their bets on someone that. At free, he's definitely a pro bowler. He's good. He's good, but he just he doesn't have enough. He's like he's pretty much like I hate to even say this because I, I don't want to compare Kirk Cousins to like Philip Rivers, but Philip Rivers played in a loaded you know conference in the time that he played with the Chargers, and they missed out on a lot of opportunities, a lot of times where they got close, they just couldn't they couldn't seal the deal, and and that's kind of where Kirk is at. He had opportunities. He's had opportunities and he just couldn't do it you know the last couple of years and but, but, they have to move on they have they still have justin jefferson who's in the prime of his career adam thielen who's on his way out dalvin cook who should be uh, at least another couple of years of, of good usage out of him um back healthy next year after he tore his acl right right training camp so I had high expectations for him this year but Conklin- i mean that's why they grabbed herndon hoping that he would be the good uh, the the replacement, but he wasn't. It's Conklin, actually. Yeah. But I don't know. The one more team I like for Zimmer, if he is like go by the Vikings, is if Chicago fires Matt Nagy. I would love that for Justin Fields. Give 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 Mike Zimmer a hold of that defense in Chicago with Khalil Mack and some of the guys they got. They got a young quarterback. In they have Adrian Amos still, I believe, and they still have I think Kyle Fuller or Kendall Fuller. I don't want to see. Yeah, one of the forward get kids. And then they, they got David Montgomery and Justin Fields. They maybe get another couple receivers. I I think Mike Zimmer. Yeah, and you have Tariq Cohen coming back next year. Yeah, I think Mike Zimmer on the Bears would be a great fit because you establish the run game like you did in Minnesota with Dalvin Cook and David Montgomery. You find a way. His offensive schemes, actually, if you look at uh, what Zimmer's done, Zimmer actually, um, he had – 
who did he have as a offensive? Um, he had a coach, uh, the Denver Broncos' ex-head coach. Uh, give me some names, Ben. I don't know. So okay. Anyways, so the the Broncos' ex-head coach ended up being like an offensive consultant for Zimmer, and he ended up being like uh, basically the difference between that zone run scheme that that they run in Denver. He kind of brought that over to um, yeah. to, to Minnesota, you know. And, and I think that same concept in 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 Chicago might work well. And then. Um... You see that in 2015, they were also also led by Teddy Bridgewater. So he knows a thing or two about a quarterback that maybe doesn't have the greatest, that can be kind of a game manager and still win. Right. Um, so, well, I don't know, man. I think uh, Zimmer, if he inspired by Minnesota. Gary Kubiak, there it is. So okay. Gary, Kubiak, Gary Kubiak was, he's been, he up until this year, he was like an offensive consultant. Uh, on their zone run scheme that he brought over from Denver, um, yeah. he was he was he really set the pace for Dalvin Cook, honestly, to hit his his highs and you know hit hit his uh, milestones that he was looking to hit. He kind of was able to bridge that gap. I think if Zimmer takes that same mentality and brings it to Chicago, Montgomery might see a huge uptick in usage. Yeah, that's because that's if Chicago goes that route and Minnesota fires like Zimmer, and you know you never know in these places, but. Um, it's uh, Matt Nagy is not going to work out in Chicago at all. So I mean, come on, bro. Mitch Trubisky, uh, the 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 uh, the the fumble that they made with that, I think that should have been the the chopping block. That should have been the the guillotine for for Nagy. But he was heralded as like you know uh, Bruce Arians, you know protege. And everybody thought. Everybody looked at Andy Reid's offensive coordinators, uh, guys he had put around him. I said Arians again. I meant to say Reid. Sorry. Yeah, like Doug Peterson, who won a Super Bowl. Which, by the way, can you tell me how Doug Peterson is not coaching in the NFL somewhere? Because it wasn't Doug Peterson that won. It was Frank Reich that won. <laughs> no, that's man. the reason why. I, I don't. I don't believe that. I, I, you know, I know Frank Reich is a great offensive coordinator. He's done great things in, in Indianapolis. But Peterson still won a Super Bowl, went to the playoffs three times. He had one terrible season. He's let go. To me, man, I, I, he's got to get a job somewhere as head coach. He's not even in the league right now. He, he He's not even, like, a coordinator anywhere. So, I, I don't know, man. I feel like – Yeah, man. because you see, you see Jason Garrett. You see some of these head coaches that have lost their jobs turn over to becoming an OC, and then Garrett, being who he is, also lost his OC job, too. But, like, yeah, I I agree. Peterson could be a coordinator of some sort, but what? He's not an offensive coordinator. That's not what it's – no, but, like, he he, he can't cut it as an offensive coordinator, bro. He needs needs an Andy Reid to to kind of unlock his offensive coordinator abilities. He needs to be an OC on Arians' squad or, like, again, back on Andy Reid's squad or wherever, on, on, a, on a Sean Payton. Sean Payton would be – he would be a great OC for Sean Payton. But he can't be an OC on his own, on a team that needs him to be just an OC. I don't know. I don't know how much I agree with that. But, uh, you know. I, I, I Frank Reich has proved – Frank Reich literally in the last three years has proved why he should be a head coach. You know, with the talent that he's had, 
with the recruiting that he's done, with the the, the stop gaps of losing Andrew Luck, band-aiding with Philip Rivers and Jacoby Brissett, dude, that is the reason why Philly actually went far and won the Super Bowl that year. Yeah. It's not because of Peterson. Yeah, he made the playoffs last year, but how far did he get? Uh, they lost in the divisional round and then the wild card round. Yeah. I mean, that's the difference of having a, a great OC and a subpar one. I can say the same thing. I'm sorry? I said there's about a million teams that can say they lost in the wild card round or in the divisional round. A- Andy Reid, for the longest time, never went to a Super Bowl. But none of Andy Reid's, like, protégés or whatever has gotten has, – has picked up the same that, – that much success outside of him. If you, look at, if you look at his tree – the people that have come off his his coaching tree, they haven't been successful without him. He's he's the engine that runs it. Same thing with Arians. Same thing with Arians. So, Arians head coach though for a little bit, man. I I I. I no, I, I no, I get what you're saying, but the 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 concept behind it is that they're coaches, right? So yeah. the great coaches that they are, being who they are, none of their people underneath them in the years or years that they haven't coached, have made it as far as someone like Frank Reich has as an OC. Uh, oh, somebody who did. John Harbaugh. Yeah, okay, fine. <laughs> I'll give you Harbaugh. But he, he fell ass backwards into a great defense. So I'm not going to even go there. That's a different scenario. The fans won a Super Bowl. I mean, he's been he's been with the Ravens since 2008. If he, if it was just the defense, he would have been out of there already. But he fell into a great scenario. He fell. In, he didn't fall into a rebuilding team. He didn't fall into a team that was going to be, you know, a Jacksonville Jaguars or like a Houston Texans. You can't tell me Harbaugh takes the Texans to a Super Bowl and wins it. By the way, 2007 when Harbaugh took over, the Ravens were five and eleven. And uh, five and eleven the previous year, and six and ten two years before that, with a thirteen and three season sandwiched in between there. Six and ten. They still had leftovers from that Super Bowl team that they won with Trent Dilfer on that squad that he took over. No, there's not. Not they won the Super Bowl in two thousand and eight. Eight years later, when he took over, there's still leftovers on that team. No, you're kidding me. He still had Ed Reed. He still had Ray Lewis when he when he joined the Ravens. He wasn't on the Trent Dilfer team though. Ed okay, Ed Reed wasn't, but Ray Lewis was. And Ray Lewis was at the end of his career when John Harbaugh took over. He retired in 2000. He retired. So John Harbaugh took over in 2008. The Ravens uh, won the Super Bowl in 2011, I believe. No, sorry, 2012. Okay. And then Ray Lewis retired in 2012. So he was there for like four seasons. Uh, with you know, and he was at the end of his career by that time. I don't know. I I still feel like John Harbaugh. Well, you know, he's he's done a lot of good things in Baltimore as the head coach, and he's and he's a winner. So, I you know, you can say that he had he came into a good organization. That's fine. You can say that he has a good defense. Fine, but uh, you know, those players come and go, and it's not like college football. Uh, where you build a system and then you just, you know, recruit guys to your system and you kind of just keep things going. You have your general manager that drafts players that develop the guys. 
and it's it's not an easy thing to do in the NFL. It's not easy. I have a lot of respect for coaches who have been with the team eight years or more and continue to win at a high level, guys like Mike Tomlin, John Harbaugh. Um, It's Bill Belichick. It's very difficult to do. You see coaches. Well, well, I'm not taking. I'm not taking away from the fact that those guys have done what they've done. I'm not. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying. What all I'm saying is that certain coaches are tailored for certain teams. You know, I thought Shanahan was tailored to be San Francisco's head coach, but now after watching him operate for the last couple of years, I don't. Maybe I. I think he might be better on another team. You know, I think he could be. And the reason why is because. He doesn't have the flexibility with, with the upper management and with the GM. He doesn't have the flexibility to operate as he would like to. Yeah. No. Whereas your Belichick's, your Tomlin's probably have a little bit of an upper hand when it says, you know, when it's a, when it's a third round pick and, 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 you know, Tomlin says, I want this guy or Belichick says, I want this guy. The GM kind of will say, Hey, listen, you gave me a couple of Super Bowls. Yeah. You're probably right. You're sure. probably right. Yeah. Okay. Uh, we got about seven minutes left. Uh, we are going to go into our NBA power rankings. Um, talk a little NBA now. All right, so starting at number – should I go first, or do you want to go first with your top five NBA teams? Why don't you go first? Okay. At number five in our power rankings, I have the Chicago Bulls. Four, the Utah Jazz. Number three, the Brooklyn Nets. Number two, the Phoenix Suns. And number one, the Golden State Warriors. Now, I left the defending champion Milwaukee Bucks off. I have them at number six currently. Um, They've... Uh, they've been they're nine and one in their last ten games, but they got off to such a slow start. Uh, but I I I have them just outside the top five. Uh, and uh, where do you uh, where do you think of that? Do you agree with a lot of those, or do you have a much different top five? Um, I would say it's pretty close. <clears throat> I think that I think if they heat string like a like a 10-game win streak, they could really jump the standings. In my opinion, I think the top five breakdown is this. we got the Warriors, Suns, Nets, Jazz, and Bulls. Okay, so you have the exact same as I do. Yeah, I do. And I, and I have it based on – a little bit based on record, but also based on the fact that, you know, you have some your, – your differential between what you're allowing – in points and what you're putting forward in points, it, it, it's a stark difference between what you have in your top five versus what you have in your bottom five, right? These these teams that are in the top five are scoring more points and holding their the opposing team to a lower point uh, points allowed, um, and that's what kind of allows them to do a streak of five, six wins in a row, you know, uh, or. 12, 13 in like in the sense where when it when you look at like the, the Warriors, they ran 10 plus 10 plus games um, where they you know they, where they were you know very efficient. Their point differential, the 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 Warriors, twelve point three. That's crazy. Yeah. That means that they're allowing just under a hundred points, 
and they're putting Florida under 13 points a game. That's insane. If you look at it from a Vegas perspective, any game that the Warriors play, you have to go, like, always over. These guys are scoring, but they're also, you know, they're, they're holding their teams back. You know, uh, they, their defense is doing very well for themselves, right? So yeah. I'm, I'm looking at, like, you know, overall, like, Western Conference, Eastern Conference. Yeah, with that said, uh, I don't think the Nets should be that high. Um, maybe I think the, the Bucks, if they run off a couple, they either replace, like, the Jazz, the Bulls, or the Nets, you know? Jazz your point, the Jazz have the second highest differential in the league. Yeah, they do. They do. 9.2. 9.2. That's ridiculous. Absolutely nuts. (laughs) But, like, you could kind of believe that kind of story when you look at the numbers, the stats between both those teams, because they're very good defensive teams. You know, you have a reigning three-time defensive player of the year in Rudy Gobert on, on on the Jazz, and then you have Draymond Green, who's every year in the conversation for defensive player of the year, you know? Um, so I could see how those two teams are, are doing well, but what surprises me actually is the Suns. The Suns set at like a 6.5 point differential between what they allow and what they score. That's kind of, that's not kind of good, really good for who they are and what, and what kind of basketball they play. And that's also, once again, that's the third highest in the league. Right. And- uh, it, but so the top three teams in the West have the top three point differential in the league, and then you look at it, it's you know for the the Warriors and the Jazz, it's almost a triple and double the best teams in the East. You know? Yeah, um, yeah, exactly. There's a big difference. That's why if you ever had like a round robin tournament type of deal in the NBA, um, it'd be kind of cool to watch, but like. You would have a lot of West teams in there instead of East, you know. The West teams are just better. Like, I wouldn't want to see a 12-12 and Clippers team, you know, uh, when Kawhi is coming back in the playoffs. I just – I wouldn't want to see that. Why take the risk? Why take the risk? Right. Exactly. Um, All right. So, real quick, as we are running out of time here, Hey, I want to ask you you a question, actually. What do you think about the Davis-Cruz matchup? So, didn't Gervonta Davis fight uh, Cruz this past weekend? Sorry, I did not even pay attention to any of that um, this weekend. I should have. Okay. But you're right. Gervonta Davis did uh, fight Cruz, um, and I believe Davis won. But, man, Davis has a Charmin soft list of opponents. Yeah. For someone who's 26-0 and 0 with 24 knockouts, I'm, I'm sitting here. You could not name – He's got to see a Ryan Garcia or somebody, right? He's got to see someone hard. He, I can't pick out a single person he fought out of a lineup. He hasn't beat anybody. He's, he has fought the softest competition other than Yuriokis Gamboa, who he beat in 2019. But Gamboa – is well past his prime. He beat Gamboa when Gamboa was 37 years old. Yuriyoka Gamboa Gamboa has fought the best of the best. He sat there. He fought Terrence Crawford. He fought Daniel Ponce de Leon. He fought Orlando Salado. He's fought 
Javante Davis. You could you could you could have stopped at Crawford, really. To be honest with you, like Crawford's a big enough name to be like, yo, this guy is, saw Crawford, right? And when he fought Crawford, that was in 2014. That was seven years ago, which means Gamboa was still only 32 years old when they fought. And Gamboa was still not necessarily in his prime, but not out of his prime either. And so, I, you know, I, I don't know, man. I'm not, uh, I'm not sold on Javante Davis. Uh, he, hasn't, he hasn't fought anybody uh, to me that warrants any kind of consideration. Like, if he's, I believe he fights. At junior middle, no, it's not middleweight. Is it welterweight? I think it's junior welterweight, but the reason why I wanted to bring that up is because I know we're over, but Tommy Fury just pulled out of the Jake Paul fight. Um, He apparently has a bacterial chest infection and, like, broken ribs. So now Tyron Woodley is coming back to fight Jake Paul for a rematch, which is, like, absolutely ridiculous to me. It's yeah. just absolutely it's, – it's a shame because, you know what, what you should be doing is if you take a, a quality opponent who's a uh, Fury um, and, and you, you want to replace him with Tyron Woodley, you should be taking someone as good as Fury or on the come up like that or maybe a real boxer for once. Instead yeah. of, I think the cop-out is, is saying a rematch with Tyron Woodley, you know. But Fury, but Fury, Fury's replacement should be an actual boxer, really, instead of another ex MMA. It should be, and I don't know what weight class you would pull from, but yeah, go. You don't have to get the top of the top because we all know that if you put Canelo Alvarez or you put a Gennady Golovkin or you put a that's know, a waste of their time, though. I think a matchup like that is a complete waste of time. But, like, you got to put in someone that's a boxer, maybe someone that has four wins on their record, you know, someone that's, that's been fighting maybe five, six fights, you know, in the last two, three years, but they're a boxer. They're not an MMA. They're not uh, an ex-SBA point guard. They're not uh, – right. We're not, we're not doing that. You're getting a boxer this time because you were supposed to fight a boxer. You should be fighting a boxer. You should put that up on the poll, man. Should Jake Paul be fighting a boxer as a replacement instead of Tyron Woodley? Yep. Going on the poll now. All right. Tuning in. That is all the time we have. All right. Harlem Heat, take us out, man. What's that? Harlem Harlem Heat, take us out. All right. Thanks, guys. We'll be back again on Friday. All right. Thanks for listening.